Good morning. I'm Stephanie, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, so when Matt does intros, we get movie clips, right? When I do intros, we get quotes from books. <laughs> um, my kids and I are big readers. We love to read and we love adventure stories. And we started a new series a few weeks ago. It's called Dragon Masters. And we're now on book 23 in a 24 book series. Um, so when I thought of the series that we're currently in here at church, The Departure, A Trek Requiring True Grit, we're studying the book of Exodus, um, the Israelites escaped from slavery in Egypt, and we're kind of learning about some big events that happened to them as they wander through the wilderness, and we're trying to gain wisdom from some of their experiences so that we can gain grit this year as part of our vision. So I immediately thought of Mina from the far north lands, who you meet in book number nine, Chill of the Ice Dragon. So when Mina shows up, she shares a story of how the ice giant froze her whole kingdom, including her dragon, and she alone escaped. And when they asked her, how did you get here without your dragon? Because the far north lands are very, very far away. She simply says, I walked. It took a very long time. And the main character notices that her boots are caked with dirt, and he makes this observation. She's brave and tough. I don't know if I could have come that far all by myself. And she's eight, by the way. So, wow, that's some grit, right? That's what we're after. So this main character noticed she had something that he didn't. And my kids and I noticed it, too. There was a pause as we read the book, just admiring her bravery and her endurance. So how do we get some of that? Well, I kind of need to remind myself, like, what does grit mean again? What am I going after? I think it's good to remind ourselves and really make sure we have it down. So grit is firmness of character and an indomitable spirit. Well, what does that mean? So indomitable means it cannot be subdued or overcome a person's will or courage, unconquerable. And that kind of made me think of a movie clip. So for those of you that do like the movie clips, you're getting one of those too. Um, so of course, mine though is different from Pastor Matt's because mine's a kid's movie. Um, so I thought of Poppy from Trolls. And if you haven't seen the movie, Poppy's troll friends are taken by a Bergen who is a big scary creature who's going to eat them. Okay, so she goes on this mission to save them. So take a look at Poppy's spirit by watching this clip. Some, some super fun surprise around each corner. Just riding on a rainbow, I'm gonna be okay. Hey, I'm not giving up today. There's nothing getting in my way. And if you knock, knock me over,
nothing is going to stop Poppy, right? right. <laughs> so Mina and Poppy, these characters that I thought of, they have it. They have this thing we're after. They have grit. But what about when you don't have it? When it just doesn't come naturally to you? What about when these characters discourage you because that's not your normal take on life, right? Well, the title of today's message is The Departure Who Me? And we're going to be looking at a real life example of someone who felt this way that you've probably all at least heard of. Um, today we're going to be reading Moses' story in the book of Exodus um, as an adult this time, because last week we heard about baby Moses. So remember, we're in Exodus for nine weeks through this series, and today we're going to be in Exodus 4, if you guys want to grab a Bible and turn there now. We do have paper Bibles under the seats in front of you. You're also welcome to go to sermons.church on a smart device, and you can find all the scriptures and notes for today's message. Um, but before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, um, I think it's easy to get discouraged and caught up in all of the things um, happening just in this life, in this world, and not even the bad things, but just there's so many things that take our focus and take our time. Um, and so I just pray that today would just be a clarifying message um, to really gain focus for our mission and what you have for us and what you're calling us to. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the Israelites are living in Egypt, and they have been enslaved, and they've been praying for freedom. And God has heard their prayer, and he wants to answer it, and he wants to save them through Moses. So God calls Moses to go into Egypt and confront Pharaoh and rescue his people. So we're going to be reading Exodus 4. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 17. So Moses answered, but what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. 
He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. What if, what if, that was Moses' question, right? So reading through this, I had several things jump out at me that I want to share with you today. When Moses was asking those what-if questions, what was the response he was getting? Then do this. Then do this. Keep going. Try again. God had an answer for everything. He was not letting him get out of this assignment, right? Have you guys ever met someone who has a lot of excuses? Like for everything? Maybe you are that person. So let's say you invite someone to church on Sunday, and they don't come. And then the next time you see them, maybe it sounds something like this. Oh, sorry, I didn't come. My alarm didn't go off, and so I was running late. Um, And then I couldn't find any clean underwear in my drawer, probably because my washer stopped working last week. So, you know, I just haven't had any clean clothes for a while. And then I finally made it out to my car, and it was covered in ice. And Man, after scraping it, I just had such a headache, so I went back inside to take some medicine and just lay down for a minute, and then I I fell asleep. So, you know, sorry that I didn't show up. But what they're really saying is that they didn't want to come, right? They were just looking for a way out. That's what excuses are. They're just a way to get out of something without feeling bad about it. We just have a good enough excuse. It's okay if we don't show or break a promise. Moses was looking for a way out, right? Well, they won't believe me, and I'm not good at talking. But what God was saying to Moses is enough with the excuses. You're not getting out of this. So just do it. Keep going. But what if they don't believe me? Yes, even then, keep going. But I'm not good at talking. Yes, even then, keep going. And we see that they had a similar conversation in Exodus 3, just a chapter before, Uh, We're going to read verses 11 through 14, but this is Moses' first encounter with God. Um, He's a shepherd in the desert. All of a sudden, he sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not actually burning, Um, and he realizes this is God, and so they end up having a conversation. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So he's basically saying, the name is Yahweh, the creator of the universe, and I'm giving you an assignment here. So how do we stop being that person with all the excuses? Because we all do it sometimes, right? Oh, I can't come to church. It's my only day to sleep in. Oh, I can't serve in children's ministry. I'm not good with kids. Oh, I can't be on the parking lot crew. I don't like being cold. These were legit excuses that I was told by the staff, by the way. So how do we start being that person that nothing can stop us? What Moses is teaching us this week, the two things I noticed to get some grit, the first one is understand your limits, but embrace his limitlessness. What does that mean? Well, when Moses said, not me, I'm not good at this, 
I don't have enough, God's response was, I will make you enough. Yahweh was the one who turned the staff into the snake, who turned Moses' hand leprous and then healed it, who turned water into blood, who made a bush be on fire without burning. The only amazing thing Moses did was trust. And that's all we have to do too. The Bible is filled with people that we read about, we study, we admire them, we want to be like them. But they were just average people. They were sinners. They weren't rich, educated, accomplished, skilled. Who did all the amazing things in the Bible? It was all God, the creator of the universe. He used average people to accomplish his purposes so that it would be obvious who was actually accomplishing something. He doesn't expect us to be skilled. In fact, he kind of prefers the opposite. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it says, But he said to me, that's God speaking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He didn't make a mistake when he asked Moses to take on this mission. It wasn't like he was the only guy available or something. He didn't make a mistake when he called you to be a foster parent, a group leader, a teacher, a spouse, a pastor a homeschooling mom, a children's leader. I get told all the time how like, oh, you're so amazing at being a mom, or like you do so well teaching the Bible study that I teach, or like, wow, it's so amazing that you cook from scratch for your family every night. But most of the time, I feel like I'm failing. <laughs> Is that just me? We can, we can be our own worst critics, can't we? I think we all do that, and I think it's something we need to work on. Because if God put you in a certain role or situation, stop thinking he made a mistake. So we can get some grit by admitting our weaknesses and handing them over to the God of the universe and trusting him to use us and make us enough. Moses was somehow bad at talking. We won't go into all the theories there. But he became the voice of God to the people and the voice of the people to Pharaoh. What if Mina from Dragon Masters had hated walking? That would have really stunk to be her. What if Poppy was super fearful? Then she better figure it out or her friends are going to be dinner, right? And so that made me think, why were these people doing these things? So Poppy was trying to save her friends from being eaten. Mina was trying to save her entire kingdom that was currently frozen. And Moses was trying to free his people from slavery. So why are you doing what you're doing? What are you trying to gain grit for this year? Have you thought about it? Wouldn't it be amazing if some kids accepted Jesus as their savior because of your teaching or your parenting? Wouldn't it be exciting if because you shared a God story or you prayed for someone that someone was healed? Or they walked away from a sin and towards their Savior. 
So get your purpose, your goal in your mind to help you overcome those doubts and shortcomings and focus on what's important for eternity. If you guys do the conversation questions, you'll answer that. But if you don't, I want you to write that down now because it's important. Figure out what your goal is. So write down goal and a bunch of stars all around it. And I want you to figure out this week what you're working towards. People um, say to me sometimes, like, oh, I could never teach. I'm scared of public speaking. Do you guys think I don't get nervous? <laughs> I do. But I don't let it stop me. And another one I hear is, oh, I could never homeschool my kids. I don't have the patience. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, it's a muscle I exercise daily, and most days I fail. I'm not saying that those two things are things that you are specifically called to, but what could you be doing to impact someone's eternity that you're not doing because you're letting a fear or weakness stop you? Hand it over and trust God to do something life-changing through you. Uh-oh, people are getting elbowed. The second thing <laughs> that I think that can help us gain some grit is what I noticed in verses 14 through 16. It says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. So the second thing I noticed to get some grit is consider getting a partner. Moses kept making excuses until God gave him his brother Aaron to help him and speak for him. There's a reason that we have two teachers in the kids' room, two greeters at the door, an assistant for every group leader. A friend, a partner, an assistant, they give us encouragement, accountability, they help carry the burden, they pray for each other, and offer a different perspective. So if God calls you to something and you don't think you have the skill set, find someone who compliments you to do it with you. You don't have to go it alone. Mark 6, 7, calling the 12 to him, that's Jesus, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So Jesus sent out his disciples in pairs. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. There is power in having a partner. Have you ever had to send a hard email or a text and you like type it and then you read it out loud to someone and then you have to delete it and retype it? No, that's just me and my husband. <laughs> Sometimes you need a different perspective to tell you when you're being too harsh. Um, if you're not a runner, you probably won't understand this one as much, but I run way faster with someone else than when I'm by myself. Because when you have someone to like compete with or keep up with or impress, it's helpful. It's motivating. Pastor Matt has a board of advisors to help him make decisions by offering their different perspectives in different areas of knowledge and expertise. He has different ages and genders. He has um, business owners, people who are good with finances, because he's all about relationships, right? So he needs some help on the business financial side of things. Having someone with you is helpful. 
even just to reach things from a high shelf. I love being that person at the grocery store, by the way. People are like, can you get that for me? Yes, I can. <laughs> or to help you lift a big, heavy box, right? People are helpful. But what about when you don't have someone and you're all alone? My husband um, recently started watching this show called Alone, and he kind of got us all hooked on it. Um, so we've become quite in interested in this show as a family. So, of course, I thought about it when I thought of how helpful having a partner is. So in this show alone, 10 people are dropped off in the wilderness, but they're all separate from each other. And it's a contest to see who can survive the longest. And the winner gets $500,000. So when they're in the wilderness, they're recording themselves as they, like, survive, build shelters, hunt, forage, fish, trap. Um, and the winners each season have lasted like 56 to 100 days. It's like pretty impressive. Um, so they do like weekly medical checks on them. And then the contestants have like a satellite phone so they can call in and quit for any reason when they're ready. So I went through and I looked at all the reasons why they left. And of course, there's like some accidents, some injuries, um, and some people get pulled for medical reasons after their medical checks. But half of them, half left because they were lonely, homesick, and missed their families. And one season, it was actually a redemption season, so these were all repeat contestants. Like, they knew what they were getting into, and still half of them left because they missed their families. I, that was so interesting to me. And even more fascinating, 20 of them were men, three were women. Yeah. We're not going to get into the theories of why that is, but someone knew from the very beginning and had a plan. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. These men were missing their helpers. Hebrews 10.24-25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need help keeping our focus in this world. We need help keeping our hope, and we're gonna keep needing it more and more as things go downhill, the closer we get to Jesus' second coming. So whether you're surviving in the wilderness or you're leading a group at church, life is better with a friend. So to recap, as the worship team comes forward. When you are being called to something by Yahweh, you better say yes or his anger will burn against you. No, but seriously, he won't send you alone, unequipped. He's coming with you. He has a plan. And he's the one bringing the power. So don't be afraid. Trust him. And maybe bring a friend to remind you of that.